All right, we are back with the Pete Callender Show. Fighting through some tech issues, but we're getting through it. But we've um, been discussing how the press doesn't seem too bothered by a lot of the misfires and mistakes seen from this administration and how they're willing to even go as far as altering the official White House transcripts. Happens repeatedly with Joe Biden. It even happened with the First Lady. She was um, famously or infamously in Texas having a speech where she referred to Hispanics in general as breakfast tacos. That's a little bit problematic and a little of an issue, but they fixed that too in the official record. And even when Joe was just recently traveling into the Middle East, going to Saudi Arabia to beg them for oil relief again the malaprops the misspoken phrases and the embarrassing comments are fixed and you have to ask at some point how deep does this go how far along are they willing to alter things to dress up what joe biden is saying and this is this is a problem because it's supposed to be an exact record it's supposed to be a specific record of what is spoken And if they're willing to do this, you have to wonder where else it's happening that isn't being noticed. And with the media being willing to play along, this is an administration with a significant amount of problems. And we're going to go into some detail after the break here. But the the administration itself is just populated with problematic, inept, and otherwise challenging individuals that the press is willing to just overlook, not focus on, smooth over, gloss over, what have you. They're more than willing to prop things up on behalf of the very politicians that they're supposed to be challenging and keeping on record. Welcome back to WBT. This is the Pete Callender Show, and I am not him. I'm Brad Slager from Town Hall and Red State, filling in for Pete. Been uh, discussing how the uh, how the Biden administration's in a bit of disarray. Not a shock, but really, it's impressive the level they're taking it to. As it stands right now, and I got to go to the tote board and see if it's changed recently, but I believe. We are at the number 30, three zero, the amount of people who have left the Biden administration, which stands as a record at this point. Over two dozen people have quit their position in this administration that's been in power a year and a half. I find that to be rather surprising and shocking. And much of the flight is taking place over in the vice president's office from the naval yards kamala harris has seen a number of significant departures her communications director simone sanders fled for msnbc the deputy did her speechwriter quit in february and then her replacement speechwriter just quit last month after only a few months on the job and now of course you know 
anybody who's heard Kamala Harris speak, the very first reaction is, wait, she had a speechwriter? You know how she has this uh, repetitive way of speaking where she says, you know, the time to act is today and we need to act immediately because acting today is important as far as actions are concerned immediately, you know, that kind of thing. I'm almost to the point where I'm personally tempted to actually apply for the job. Because I figure if I get that position, I don't even have to work. I could just let her go off on a tangent and speak. And then for the rest of my career, I could basically just go to any conservative news outlet and say, yeah, that was me. I did that intentionally to make her look bad. Oh, man, job security for life right there. But she's hardly the only problem in this administration. Uh, Jen Psaki left a few months ago and handed over the reins to Corrine Jean-Pierre her deputy at the time to take over. And frankly, she has shown herself to be a little bit overmatched. It's, it's just repetitive that the time she's at the podium where she seems a little bit lost at times. Uh, she's got a notebook she brings up with her. You know, she's got the journal where she has the answers. And even then she appears to struggle at times. And Let's just recall, during the Trump administration, when Kylie McEnany was the press secretary, she would go up there with the journal. And the media mocked her for this. They would ask her questions. She could go to a tab, pull up the page necessary, have the answer immediately. Oh, look at her. She has to rely on her notebook. Well, so does KGP, and she still can't come up with the answers and we don't seem to hear quite as many criticisms but even so she's really overmatched because let's just take it for example the nancy pelosi issue flying over to taiwan china directly threatened to shoot down the plane carrying the speaker of the house and the white house had very little if anything to say about it there really was no explanation, no response, no threat, no retort. They just said, oh, well, you know, that's it. <laughs> but then it was just a couple days ago when Nancy was about to land there and she was asked about this again. Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked about this and she feigned ignorance about the story. She had not heard about it, she said. About the story she had been asked about previously and had answered. This is this is what we're dealing with. We're to the point with the Biden administration. You know, it used to be with his mental faculties clearly on the decline. People would speculate, well, who's actually running the country now? I think in the last few months, that question has altered to the point of asking, is anybody running the country now? Because across the board, they are just showing remarkable ineptitude in all departments. I mean, Ron Klain's name comes up quite frequently as the real man who's the puppet master, but he seems to spend most of his time combing through Twitter looking for favorable tweets from journalists that he could retweet and make the administration look good. Actual leadership, not so much. And I just mentioned how Jill Biden made that ill-fated trip to Texas, you know, where she claimed that uh, she had reminiscences of the Bogodas 
in New York City, not bodegas, and then called all Hispanic individuals breakfast tacos. You know, they, the, they tried to massage this. Oh, she misspoke. Oh, she didn't know. He was joking. She had a sympathetic crowd. They ended up having to apologize for this. Her communications director came out and said that it was basically his fault. He fell on the sword. And then shortly thereafter, he quit the administration himself. So that was either a case of really taking a bullet for the first lady or looking over things and saying, this is untenable. I got to get out. I'm going to lean on the latter aspect of it for this reason. As bad as that speech was by the first lady, this is rather remarkable because when it came out, one of the... um, (laughs) One of the methods of defense was, well, it wasn't her fault. Her speech had been approved by no fewer than three separate offices in the White House. Just wrap your head around that. As bad as she came off in that speech, that got filtered through three different offices and approved. It's amazing to behold. Welcome back to WBT Radio, the Pete Callender Show. This is Brad Slager filling in for Pete as he is off until next Wednesday. Well, we've been talking about the Biden administration and just how much disarray is on display when it comes to the various individuals working the administration. And, you know, I hate to cite one or two individuals specifically because there's just so much taking place. But then a lot of those others, as I just mentioned, are jumping ship and leaving. So it's really getting to the point where it's almost hard to keep up. But uh, when it comes to Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, you know, she needs the help. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, she could she could use some assistance, and she doesn't seem to be getting it. Uh, when it came to the aforementioned trip taken by Nancy Pelosi, you know, she Kareem came off looking a little poorly, so things got kicked over to John Kirby, he formerly of the Pentagon, and uh, now serving the White House directly. And Kirby came out with just some outlandish comments himself as he's in a supporting role here. He's, he's supposed to be kind of taken over. Um, didn't really get the job done, though. The White House national security guy comes out and, you know, they, they list him as the strategic communications director. Strategy doesn't really seem to come into play here. However, he was talking about Pelosi's trip. And when the press started challenging him with questions, you know, he kind of seemed almost offended that they were asking him. And then at one point it responded that, you know, these are, this is up to Pelosi. So, you know, he was basically asked, you know, why did she take this trip if she was warned not to do it? 
And he claimed not to know that nobody warned her. And they said, no, the, yeah, the defense department actually said she was being threatened by China to be shot down. Um, he, he kind of fumbled through that. And then amazingly, he was asked about Taiwan. And this is where things get, turned real baffling. He came out and declared that we, talking about the administration here, we do not support Taiwan's independence. This is an amazing departure from the official White House stance on things. Not only that, it contradicted Joe Biden himself just a month prior, who had recognized Taiwan and said that we as a nation would support them if they ever had been invaded by China. And this is why we have to ask, who's running this show? How is it that these major members of the administration are not in communication with each other? They can't even get on the same page on policy, especially those who go forward to present the message of the administration to the press and the public. That's when things turn really amazing. So you, you just have to sit back sometimes and shake your head and wonder who's there, who's, who's running the show here. And even when they have something to cite as a success story, there's problems. This week in the primary elections, the state of Kansas had uh, <laughs> something that kind of got the the left and the Democrats and the press all excited. There was a vote that took place in Kansas on whether or not they should make abortion illegal in the state documents, state constitution and such. And it was pretty roundly voted down. And the administration just, they're just dancing all over this result. And Corinne Jean-Pierre comes out before that and stated in the, you, you gotta wonder what's what's going on who's in charge of communications she said that the supreme court decision of roe versus wade was unconstitutional the supreme court that rules on the constitution had been unconstitutional somehow and then this result comes out from Kansas and she and Joe Biden and others in the administration were calling this a rebuke of the Supreme Court. It's almost like you've got to do <laughs> remedial civics or schoolhouse rock level explanations for the administration of the White House. Because the, the impression, what they're trying to sell here is that the Supreme Court made abortion illegal. And then Kansas turned around and said, no, we don't accept that. No, what actually happened here was the Supreme Court saying, this is not our place. We're not here to rule on this. And since Congress never codified abortion... You know, when they had supreme majorities, when they were running the country in the presidency, they never passed federal law. And therefore, what the Supreme Court decision was, hey, this has to go back to the states.
which is specifically what happened in Kansas. They put the decision to the state and the state made the voters came out and made the decision. That's pretty much what the Supreme Court ruling was all about, federalism. And here's the White House now saying that this in some way overruled the Supreme Court. This is the problem, though, is that even that messaging from the president, from the press secretary, from John Kirby, that nobody can seem to get on the same page and they work in the same building, in the same communications office. And something is amiss here. And I think this is what's leading to so many people running away because they find themselves in an untenable position. How many communications individuals whose very job it is to communicate the message of the administration have fled? I mean, Kamala Harris has lost, what, three, four individuals in the span of about six months. The first lady's communications director has left. Jen Psaki has jumped ship. You're looking at the very people charged with communicating the message of the White House being incapable of doing so. And these are the people that we were told were the professionals. They're the ones that are going to be taking over. So where is the message? Who's directing the ship is the thing. It's not only looking like someone's not at the wheel, but this is rudderless almost to this point. And you have to wonder where is, <laughs> where's the accountability? Who is, who's the one we turn to? Because every time you turn, somebody else has a contradiction. Somebody else is saying something different. It's like, wait a second. If the president says we're supporting Taiwan and now the national security director of the white house says we're not, we don't recognize their independence. That's pretty big that to have that, disconnect inside the White House is pretty significant. Which way are you going to go with this one here? And when you look at the top and you can't get answers and you look at the bottom and those people are fleeing the ship, where are we going from here? And welcome back to WBT, the Pete Callender Show. And just a reminder that you can check out all the other broadcasts at WBT.com and on social media. It is at WBT Radio. Well, Joe Biden has contracted the COVID virus again, I think, for the second time in as many weeks It has been said that he's diagnosed as positive with the virus. Now, of course, we don't wish any will on him that's negative. We want him to get better. Hopefully, he recovers quickly. I mean, that goes without saying. But this has also created some issues in the administration. The, The disarray that even comes with just this diagnosis second time in as many weeks and the media is doing their fair share of course trying to help out because they just you know 
they don't want all the negativity, but this presents a problem at the same time. But first, you know, the press comes out. The Washington Post now has said that working from home during COVID seems to be working out for Biden. And since he tested positive, Biden has presided over a remarkably successful stretch of his presidency, goes this report. (laughs) This is from Ashley Parker, and she's trying to insist that since he's contracted COVID, everything's coming up, Joe. Since he's working from home. The curious part of this, though, is most, if not all, of the things that they're hailing as grand accomplishments really didn't involve Joe directly or his physical presence. One of the things that they want to celebrate here is that the Senate and the House passed the Chips and Science Act. That's the that's the $280 million bill that they uh, passed. They want to subsidize semiconductor manufacturing here in the United States. Great, but that was that was Congress really that did that. It wasn't really Joe in person or anything of the sort. I mean, he could have been watching that from the sofa, checking the vote on C-SPAN and everything came up. Cool. All right, good. I suppose. And then of course there was the announcement that Joe Manchin is going to be on board with another one of Joe's spending proposals. You know, Chuck Schumer has uh, managed to bring him in, meaning Manchin here, the $370 billion price tag. That's, you know, meant to lower prescription drugs, cut emissions, things of that nature. It's a kind of an overhaul of the industry of energy as well. So, this, too, is a, a fantastic piece of news for Joe that he's home, that, again, had no direct involvement with Biden. He says Schumer figured this out in the Senate. And then, of course, there was the uh, killing of the terrorist leader, Amen al-Zawahiri. I always stumble over those names, forgive me. Yeah, the uh, leader of al-Qaeda, taken out in the Middle East on the other side of the globe. So again, no direct involvement of Joe Biden. He wasn't actively involved here. Okay. So maybe he didn't sit in with the joint chiefs in the war room, but still, I'm sure he was plugged in, dialed him in on zoom as it were, got him connected where needed to be. So these are all the, you know, we're, we're all cheerleading for this. We're shaking the pom-poms over these grand accomplishments. What this overlooks, however, is how our national narrative on COVID and vaccines and treatments and such has shifted significantly from where it was, say, a year ago. Because, and it's not just simply that Joe got sick or got tested positive, let's say, but what it means Because understand this is Joe Biden who mocked President Trump over his infection of the disease. And when you see the president who pushed vaccines and boosters and repeated boosters and everything else so vigorously, only to contrast the disease himself after, 
really undercuts that entire messaging, does it not? I mean, doesn't this really diminish the threat that people are uh, being sold? You have to get vaccinated. You have to get boosted. And then you still get sick anyway. Well, well, it, it diminishes the effects and he didn't get as sick. It's like, yes, we understand that, but it still undercuts all of the insistence that we've been sold for the last couple of years. And the effect is seen this way. I'm seeing more and more stories coming out that just about a year ago would have had people deplatformed. I've seen a number of news stories of parents who are questioning the vaccine and refusing to even get their kids vaccinated. Saw another story a week or so ago that detailed a lot of the long-term side effects of the vaccine that have previously been unreported. I mean, think about that. That if, if you had so much as suggested that about a year ago, the media would be inflamed. You would be called out. Social media would certainly flag your account, knock you down, if not suspend you outright. But now these are topics of conversation that are permitted. What's the what's happened in the last year? Because we were not allowed to even suggest these things. Just a few days ago, I saw a story that talked about how vaccines could be altering women's menstrual cycles. I was told a year ago, this is crazy talk. If you were, if you were to so much even suggest this, you're a vaccine denier and somebody who should be shunned from decent and polite society. So, yeah, this is all starting to change, and I'm pretty certain it has to do with the fact that the man who had pledged to eradicate this disease, Joe Biden, has now contracted it twice in the span of a month. And I think it's just starting to wear on people, starting to wear off, probably is a better description here, that we're no longer in that mode of panic it's no longer a perpetual crisis. Many times we've heard about people who are getting the virus without any symptoms and notable people. I'm talking about those in Washington. I mean, I think Jen Psaki, before she left, didn't she have the virus a couple of times? A number of people in the administration. They can't even keep their mask ordinance straight. I mean, Joe Biden was infected and yet he was photographed at meetings with others wearing masks except him. All of this has just basically gotten us to the point where we're done. And I think the president contracting it twice means it's just not that big of a threat for anybody. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it for this day. I appreciate everybody giving me the chance and the patience with both me, the change, the tech. We will be back tomorrow here on the Pete Clinter Show and at WBT.